Amen. Well, that was a wonderful time this morning we've had already of dedication and thanksgiving to God. And uh, I'm uh, overwhelmed today by God's goodness to our church and uh, to, uh, to myself and to Cheryl and to our family. Uh, this is a great day for our church. It's a great week uh, for our church. This is a, a week of dedication really here at Faith Bible Church. Uh, next Sunday will be parent-child dedication, which is uh, one of my favorite times at our church. And uh, this morning we have the privilege and the joy to dedicate this building and uh, to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. Um, at the end of this service, uh, after a brief message I want to bring this morning, a brief message of challenge to us, uh, we're going to have a responsive reading. We're going to stand and read that together. And as we do that, we're going to commit this church and this building and this ministry and ourselves uh, to the glory of God and to His service. So that will kind of serve this morning as kind of the crescendo, kind of the formal act of, of dedication uh, but before that uh, formal dedication, I want to just bring a brief message here this morning from Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. If you turn there in your Bible with me, a very familiar verse, I'm sure, to most of us, but I've titled this message this morning, Dedicated. Let me uh, just read this verse, quote Romans 12, 1. It's a great verse to memorize. Uh, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable a service of worship. May the Lord write that eternal word on our hearts this morning. Uh, Dr. John R. Sampy was a former president of uh, Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, uh, Kentucky, and he was a uh, former president of the Southern Baptist Convention. And he began his life of, a, as a, his life of service as a custodian in a, a small uh, country church. And based upon his work as a janitor, the motto of this man's life was, give Jesus Christ all the keys. Now, I like that. A man is a janitor, right, going around unlocking a building. But he applied that to his Christian life, and the motto of this great man of God's life was, give Jesus Christ all the keys. And that's a great motto for life, but it's also the only motto for a life of meaning and purpose. And really that message is the message of Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And that's really the thrust of our dedication service uh, here this morning. We're here this morning to dedicate this building and to give the keys to Jesus Christ. We're here to give Jesus Christ all the keys to this church, um, all the keys to this building, um, all the keys to the ministry that will take place here. But most importantly, we're here to give all the keys to Jesus Christ of our lives because when you think about it, this building will only be as dedicated and as consecrated to God as you and I are, as the people who inhabit this building. Our individual dedication is really the extent or the basis of the dedication for this building and what happens here. Now, we can dedicate this building to God every week. In fact, we can dedicate this building to God every day. But if we aren't dedicated ourselves to God and His glory, it really won't do much good. So it all begins with you and me giving all the keys of our lives to Jesus Christ. Now this verse, Romans 12:1, holds a very special place in my life. Some of you probably heard me tell this before, but as I look back on my life, there are two key markers or benchmarks that set the trajectory for my life. Uh, the first one was on June the 10th of 1965. Uh, the month before I turned six years of age, when the Lord reached down and saved me as a young boy, um, brought me to faith in Jesus Christ as I was listening to Billy Graham uh, preach the gospel on television. But the second benchmark was when I was 22 years of age, 
January the 1st of 1982. I'd finished my first semester of law school, and I'd really lived uh, several years totally for myself um, as really a lukewarm believer at best. But early that morning, about 3 o'clock in the morning, I was staying over at a friend of mine's house watching their house. And I was all alone there, and I looked deeply into the emptiness of my own commitment to Christ. And I was tired of my life. I was tired of running my life myself. And God moved me to look to Him and to call out and to pray Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. And I committed all I knew of myself to all that I knew um, about Jesus Christ. And that moment changed the trajectory of my life. It's, a, it's an amazing thing. I'm sure this has happened to many of you, but when I woke up the next morning, I knew things in my life were going to be different. My life took off on a totally different trajectory. And sometimes it still gives me chills when I read this verse and remember uh, back to those early morning hours. And so because of that, this is really my life's verse. And that morning was the turning point in my Christian life. It was a watershed, and my life has never been the same. And Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is the turning point in the life of any person who will obey it. In fact, it could be the turning point in your life here this morning. But it's also the turning point here in the book of Romans. Because the book of Romans follows a, a common pattern that Paul uses in his letters. He'll, he'll start off in the early chapters talking about doctrine and theology. And then at some point, he'll shift the emphasis to the duty in our lives that flows out of knowing that doctrine and theology. So Paul often moves from doctrine to duty, from, uh, from belief to behavior, from our creed to our conduct. And so in Romans, chapter, in Romans, he follows that pattern. So you have 11 chapters of doctrine and theology, and then beginning in chapter 12, you have these five chapters of the duty that flows out of that. And so Romans 11 ends with this majestic doxology, and Romans 12.1 is this turning point now from doctrine to how we live this out. And what we see here in this section is the issue for us is not for us to get more of God, but for God to get more of us. That's the secret, really, of the Christian life. Our supreme calling in life is to serve God with all of our being, to put everything we have on the altar for him, uh, to give all the keys to Jesus. So what I want to do is just look at verse 1 here briefly. I know in your outline there I've got a couple of other points. I just put those there for you to look at later on your own. But I want to just look at these first two points and answer a couple of questions. Why should I dedicate my life completely to Christ, and how do we do that? Why should I give Jesus the keys to my life? Well, the reasons here in chapter 12, verse 1, uh, the reason for this dedication, he says, I urge you by the mercies of God. The word I urge you means to strongly exhort or appeal. Uh, the King James Version uses the old word beseech. Probably how a lot of you memorize that verse. I beseech ye, therefore, brethren. But it means to urge or appeal. And notice he's talking to believers. I urge you, brothers, brothers and sisters, and you can't dedicate yourself to the Lord unless you already know Him and have a relationship with Him. So this is given to believers. And the word therefore looks back, really this word therefore, and, and I think reaches all the way back to Romans chapters 1 to 11. So it pulls forward all of Romans 1 to 11, and he says, therefore, based on everything I've said in these first 11 chapters, I appeal to you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice to God. So Romans 1 to 11 is what God gives to us as believers. 
Romans 12 to 16 is what we give to God based on what God has already given to us. So what God has already done for us is the basis of what we do for God. So God's giving to us precedes and forms the basis for all of our giving to him because God has done it all for us. Um, H.A. Ironside years ago used to make the comment, I love this, he would say, of all, there's all these religions in the world, but he says there's really just two religions. There's the religion of do. That is all the things we have to do to try to earn merit or favor with God. And he said, that's all the religions of the world other than biblical Christianity. And biblical Christianity says it's done. All the religions of the world are due. Only biblical Christianity says it's done. God has done everything for us to be in right relationship with himself through Jesus Christ. So we're not saved in any way by our merit, but by God's mercy. And it's the mercy of God that moves us to give the keys of our life to Christ. In fact, you'll notice he says, by the mercies of God. It's the multiplied, manifold mercies of God that he's given to us that motivate us to give our lives uh, to him. And Paul knew the mercies of God, and those of us who know Christ, we know them as well. The Bible says God is rich in mercy, and that we are vessels of God's mercy. And I think it's drinking deeply and regularly at the fountain of God's mercies that motivates us to give ourselves and give our lives to him. They say, well, what are the mercies of God? Well, it's everything in Romans 1 to 11. All these things are the tender mercies of God. One man I read this week said it like this. I love this. He said, we are beseeched and besieged by the mercies of God. Think about that in your life. You are besieged by God's mercy. They're, they're, They're hemming you in on every side. In Romans 1 to 11, we see that we're elect and chosen by God. We're called to, by God to himself by his sovereign grace. We're justified by faith alone. Um, our sins are forgiven. We have resurrection life. We're free from all condemnation. Nothing can ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. All things are working together for our good. And on and on we could go of all the mercies in Romans 1 to 11. What Paul is saying here is the mercies of God are what move us and motivate us to give him all the keys to our life. Let me just pause and say this quickly. Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you've never experienced the mercy of God for the first time. And if that's true of you here this morning, you need to put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ who died on the cross for you and who rose again from the dead. It's only through him that you have the forgiveness and life that we're speaking of here this morning. So if you've never trusted in Christ, that's the step you need to take here this morning to trust in the Lord Jesus. Now, for those of us that have experienced God's mercy, what does it look like to give it all to him? Look at what he says in verse 1. Present your bodies a living sacrifice. That word present means to make a decisive decision. It's like in the Old Testament, someone handing over a sacrifice to God. The sacrifice we hand over to God is the sacrifice of our life. And this word present has the idea of doing this once for all. There's a time in your life when you surrender and give everything over to Jesus Christ. And notice it's total because he says present your body. And I think he uses the word body here to refer to everything that we are and have. It's all inclusive. You see, God doesn't want dead sacrifices anymore. He wants living ones. When an Old Testament uh, sacrifice was put on the altar, it died 
But when we offer ourselves to God and put all we have on the altar, that's when we really begin to live. So presenting your body as a living sacrifice means taking all that you are and all that you have and putting it at God's disposal. And when God gets all that you are and all that you have, He gets your treasure, He gets your money, He gets your time, He gets your talents and abilities, He gets your job and your business and your marriage and your family. He gets it all. Now, it's been well said that the the big problem with a living sacrifice is it always wants to crawl off the altar. And that's kind of true for us sometimes, right? The the living sacrifice can want to sometimes crawl off and lose that commitment. There's an old story about a pig and a chicken walking down the road, and they went by a church, and they noticed there was a potluck charity breakfast that was going on that morning. And getting caught up in the spirit, the pig suggested that he and the chicken make a contribution And the chicken said, great idea, let's offer them ham and eggs. And the pig said, not so fast, for you that's just a contribution, for me it's a total commitment. (laughs) And I like that because that's the decision we all face in life. Will we just make kind of a, a token contribution to God? Or will we really make a total commitment of our lives to Him? Our dedication to God is to be decisive and total. We give our lives to Him. But notice it's also holy. We give him a life that's that's set apart from sin. It's acceptable. It's a a well-pleasing sacrifice to God. And you'll notice here it says it is reasonable. Actually, that's the way that word should be translated. Your reasonable service of worship. It's the Greek word logikos. We get our word logical from it. What he's saying here is the only logical, reasonable, sensible thing to do in light of all that God has done for us is to give everything to him. In other words, a halfway commitment to God is irrational. Christians who don't give everything they are and have to the Lord are really living an irrational life. The only reasonable response is to give it all to Him. So when you stand at the foot of the cross and contemplate Jesus Christ hanging there as a sacrifice for you, it's unreasonable to do anything less than to wholly commit yourself to Him as a living sacrifice. Look, the only possible response, the only proper response, the only practical response to the multiplied mercies of God is to surrender everything to Him. I read one article this week, or one man, he said this. This is a great little statement. He said, we surrender to the logic of Calvary. There's a logic to the cross of what Christ did for us. We surrender to that. Again, the only reasonable response is giving Him all the keys to your life. It's a like the theme of that great song, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross, which says, but drops of grief can ne'er repay the debt of love I owe. Here, Lord, I give my life away. It's all that I can do. And then that last great line that says, love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Many of you, uh, this time of year, we think a lot about the Salvation Army as we go in and out of stores and they have the, the folks out there ringing the bell. The founder of the Salvation Army was a man named William Booth. He was called General William Booth. He was once asked the secret of the success in his life and ministry. And he said this, I'll tell you the secret that, I'll tell you the secret. He says, God has had all of me that there was. There have been many men with greater brains than I have, men with greater opportunities. But one day I made up my mind that God would have all of William Booth there was. God took that man's life and used him. One of, uh, one of uh, 
William Booth's good friends, J. Wilbur Chapman, later said this about William Booth. He said, I learned from William Booth, the greatness of a man's power is the measure of his surrender. The greatness of our power is the measure of our surrender. Look, we give ourselves to God in a way that's decisive and total. It's holy, it's acceptable, it's reasonable, and it's an act of worship. Notice he says, your reasonable service of worship. Old Testament worshipers brought a dead sacrifice to worship God. We bring a living sacrifice of ourself uh, to offer uh, to him. One of my favorite stories from, from church history, uh, a man that I, I've loved to read about his life was a guy named Wee Bobby Moffat. His name was Bobby Moffat, but he was a little boy. They called him Wee Bobby Moffat in Scotland where he grew up. Grew up in a very poor family became a, a really a colossal figure in 19th century Christianity associated with David Livingston in, in Africa. But Bobby Moffat was a boy, again, from a very poor family. And one time at the church he was at, an offering plate was passed. And as it went by, he was sitting on the, the aisle, and he asked the usher to put the offering plate and lay it down in the aisle. And Bobby Moffat, with his bare feet, went over and stood in the offering plate. And he said this, I give myself. I have nothing else to give. And God took his life and used it uh, tremendously back in the 19th century for his glory. But that's true of all of us here today. Whatever we have, whatever resources and abilities we have, we need to come to the Lord and say, I give myself. I have nothing else to give. That's what it's all about. That's dedication. That's a, a living sacrifice. That's giving to Jesus Christ uh, all the keys. I'd want to ask you this morning, before we go to our formal time of dedication, have you ever done that in your life? What we're really talking about here is an issue of lordship. And I don't care if you're 8 years old here this morning or 80 years old, you can make that decision and do it now and give Jesus Christ all the keys to your life. He'll take your life and he'll change it and he'll do things with your life you'll never, ever imagined he could ever have done. D.L. Moody said it like this. This is such a simple quote, but I love it. He says, give your life to God. He can do more with it than you can. That's <laughs> what, you know, duh, right? I mean, but, but give your life to God. He can do more with it than you can. He can do infinitely more with your life and with my life uh, than we ever can. So this morning, as we dedicate this place to the glory of God, let's make sure that we first dedicated ourselves to him. Again, it's not going to do any good to dedicate this building to him if we're not dedicated, we've not offered ourselves to God as a living sacrifice. Because without that sacrifice, nothing else we do here uh, will really matter. May God help us to make that decision if we've never done so. Well, I'd like to invite all of you now to stand with me and let's join our hearts and voices together. What I want to do here this morning, symbolically, as we go through this responsive reading, is I want us to, to hand over the keys of our lives and the keys of this church uh, to our great God and Savior. And we're going to read through this, this reading, this responsive reading. Um, this is from, um, I, I adapted this from the dedication service at the great Moody Church in Chicago. Uh, that church, if you've ever been there, uh, was dedicated on November the 8th of 1925. And it's such a beautiful uh, ceremony, a beautiful reading that I've adapted that. As you can see here, there's parts that say pastor, I'll read those. Parts that say congregation, you all read those. And then there's a few places where it says everyone. So we'll join in and read this as we uh, give the keys uh, here this morning to our Lord Jesus Christ. 
having been prospered by the good hand of our God and enabled by his grace and power to complete this house of worship to be used for the glory of his name, we will now in his holy presence dedicate this sanctuary to him. We dedicate this sanctuary to be a place of worship. We dedicate this sanctuary to be a house of prayer. We dedicate this sanctuary to be a place where God's word is honored and proclaimed. We dedicate this sanctuary to be a light in this community, proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ to all who will hear. Holy, blessed, and glorious Trinity, three persons and one God. Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and our Father which art in heaven. Son of God, the only begotten of the Father, head of the body, which is the church, head over all things to the church, prophet, priest, and king, whose glorious appearing shall be to all people. Holy Spirit, our comforter, counselor, guide, and friend. For comfort to those who mourn, for strength to those who are tempted, for the instruction and training of children and youth, for the sending forth of the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. join together. Now we dedicate this sanctuary now to the glory of God the Father, to the honor of Jesus Christ his Son, and to the praise of the Holy Spirit. To God be the glory forever. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you, the great triune God. We worship you. We thank you. Our hearts are filled with gratitude today. Oh, Father, fill this place with your presence. Father, we give the keys to you today. And Father, as we leave here now, we remember the wonderful benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. Lord, make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. All God's people said, amen. amen.